This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Good morning, good morning, Professor Ward Scott, and manly, manly emphasize, Ward Old Man Cave, in the piney woods of North Central Florida, in God's country, on a rainy morning, believe it or not. Well, Sprinkling rain, not heavily raining. I have not done the naked rain dance, so you can't expect that. But uh, we are getting a little moisture, and we're thankful for everything we can get right now. We are in the Mellon Law Studio, which uh, Mellon Law is the only official law firm partner of the Fighting Gator. And, of course, uh, we're protected 24-7, 365 by crime prevention. And brought to you by on-the-spot cleaners. Great. Go get your cl- uh, clothes cleaner. Um, style cuts. Um, Ocasio insurance. R&R construction. I'm going to leave somebody out, so I'll wait till the bottom of the hour. Uh, we got a hello from Doug and Betsy Whitaker in Mexico. Mexico. Uh, great to have you. Brendan Dolwick, appreciate all you do. And, uh, of course, Plantation Mark. There is par excellence with Plantation Mark. And um, Ted Yoho. You know, Ted is really interesting to me. Of course, you, I hope. He left D.C., term-limited himself after eight years, but can't stay away, apparently. He's in route there now. He's supposed to land in about five minutes and jump in an Uber and go to a meeting that he's having at 10.15, and he's going to be on the phone with us. So he wouldn't miss this show for anything, and we'll hang out with him until... He gets here live on the phone. So we won't be seeing him today in all probability. No, he won't be in his home in Putnam County. He'll be back in D.C. You know, D.C. had a huge march yesterday. Probably most of you are aware of that. I was very interested in that, uh, how peaceful it was and how many people there were, how orderly everyone was. And good morning, Don Printer Bailey. Um, I got to tell you something. It reminded me of an article I may have already gone over with you by Jason Riley. You know, he's one of my favorite writers. I don't know how else to say this, unless you had a better camera view than I had. Um, I didn't see many people of color in that crowd. Now, we got an audio and video frozen. I don't know if that's probably not us, Ken. Uh, I would say production that's probably not us. We're go we're going. So that's Ken you. You're you're it's on your end, my man. Uh we got Linda Jones watching. So we got people watching. Ken is in Atlanta. I don't know what the weather's like there. But anyway, what I was saying, thank you, Ken, for the posting though. As you all post these things, we do check them out. Um I didn't see many people of color in the crowd. 
And it harkened me back to an article that I may have gone over with you already. And that is Black Lives Matter, according to Jason Riley, uh, stand in solidarity with Palestine. And Riley says it made no, no qualms about that. After the October 7 attack, um, they were un- unambiguous about it. And what, oh, what, uh, Jason Riley is surprised at is why more people haven't understood before what Black Lives Matter is about. You know, I've always been kind of dismayed at the fact that the sheriff that time, Sadie Darnell, marched in the Black Lives Matter parade here in Gainesville. So the coach, Mullen, <clears throat> why? I mean, come on. Black Lives Matter at that time, Sheriff, was advertising it wanted to do away with the cops. And now they're citing, actually praising, according to Jason Riley, Hamas's resistance. Um, this is not new to Riley. He said it was taken over the black movement, I guess you'd call it, by the uh, SNCC, something called SNCC, back in the 60s, which was Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee, run by Stokely Carmichael. And um, it forced SNCC's white workers and volunteers, almost all of whom were Jewish, to resign. So there you go. Anyway, I had to pull this out of the the uh, midnight auto yard to try to make sure that I wasn't misseeing things. But, um, and I think I'm the only guy that's brought it up. I haven't heard anybody else bring it up. Maybe, maybe there are some. But I didn't, I didn't see a lot of quote-unquote people of color in that 100,000 or however you were there, movement or assembly. So I went back into the midnight auto yard and pulled that out. And it didn't surprise me when I, when I remembered what Riley said. You know, Senator Tim Scott from South Carolina and yes, people ask me, probably are related. I mean, come on. Uh, my father was born in Danville, Virginia. I was born in Columbia, South Carolina. Um, and Ted Yoho says he's on the phone listening. So good. Hello, Ted. Uh, we'll patch you in, my man, uh, before I take off on uh, uh, the Washington politics with uh, and the primary GOP voters. Can we hear Tim? Uh, can we hear Ted now, uh, Zach? Yeah, I can hear you, Warren. Hey, Ted. <laughs> Your ears burning. I said you were uh, going back to the place you left. You term limited yourself from, and now you're back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're trying to talk some sense into some of these people. 
Well, where are you now, my man? Can you talk with us for a while? Yeah, I'm in an Uber on the way to uh, the to the Capitol. Well, good. At least you didn't get you didn't have to have protection from the Secret Service to fire a couple of rounds so you could get in the car. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> Crazy times, isn't it? Oh my golly! Well, um, I mean, what do you make of this bipartisan settlement on keeping the government lights on? Well, you know, when the ship is sinking, you can't have arguments over, you know, who did what or who did this or, you know, what's the most important thing. I think, well, you can have that, but you got to triage it and you've got to keep it going and um, come up with a plan, you know, down the road of what you're going to do in a, uh, a strong conservative way is what I think they need to do to have a fight now to shut down the government it's kind of like what I sent uh, that article about Chip Roy <clears throat> was all up in arms because Mike Johnson did something. And it's like, man, you're in the middle of a fire. Let's just get the fire out and uh, let's work on strategy after that. And the time for strategy was back in January uh, when they should have elected a different speaker. Well, um, I took it as a positive sign. I took it as an accomplishment for John. Am I, am I close to right on that? No, I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right. Again, you know, um, this was the things that was handed to him. So what do you do? I mean, you shut the government down and you know how that plays out. <clears throat> that would assure, um, you know, a switch in the majority. And I think you just work through this and then you move on and, uh, you know, you'll build strength as you move forward and you'll get more people on your side. I also heard him say a pretty smart thing to somebody who was interviewing him about was he going to fight this fight or that fight? I can't remember what fight it was. He says, no, I'm not going to fight that now. He says, I have to pick my battles. I mean, you know, I'm not ready. To, I'm not going to take that one on. And I thought that was pretty smart. I mean, he was right up front. Say, listen, you know, I'm not going to squander my my chips here in the game by jumping in on something I don't have a hand for. And that to me was you know, I thought he was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty right on with that comment. And I can't remember what well, it- I feel comfortable with him. You know, I think what you'll see is he'll gain more respect within the Republican Party. And I think you'll see him really garner more respect uh, across, you know, from the Democratic side. And I think his focus will be on what's best for America. You know, let's get through this. I mean, you see the way everything's falling apart in there with Mark Wayne Mullins. Uh, wanting to fight that other, um, I saw that. I watched that. that was. I watched that. And then, um, the union boss. Yeah, the union boss. Where's Where's he from? Jersey. Uh yeah, somewhere. In <laughs> no, it wouldn't now. be George. That That would be Menendez, and I think Cory Booker's from Jersey. And he, or is he? Yeah, can't remember. Anyways, you've got that, and then the the stuff with Kevin McCarthy, um, supposedly. Elbowing somebody, yeah. um, Tim Burchett, uh from Tennessee. It's like, you know, let's get out of the fourth grade and let's start acting like adults. Oh, we got your old friend AOC over there screaming. Um, <laughs> Who's that? AOC over there screaming about, uh, you know, stop the shooting and all that kind of business. Um, <laughs> just let her rattle on because the more she does, the crazier she is. But, um, oh, my God. May anyway. God find pity on her. <laughs> oh, man. 
She gets worse and worse and worse. It reminds me of that song in The Wizard of Oz, If I Only Had a Brain. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty uh, it's pretty out of control. But, that you know, it's okay. Let her do that. She's an influencer, though. She's a big influencer and just um, crazier than a bat. Well, you know, but Johnson is such a contrast to that, you know? Oh, he is. So calm, and he presents so <laughs> well. I mean, his, you know, my father used to always say, you know, when you show for the job, you know, dress like you want it, you know, and um, he yeah. does. He does that. Uh, I, guess, I guess Fetterman missed that memo. Well, <laughs> in his, in his, you know, he's another one, but I just saw a picture of him. He was wrapped in the Israeli flag at the event yesterday. Was he really? Yeah, he was. He was wrapped uh, in the Israeli flag. And I was just commenting. He's going to be interesting to watch. Um, he's going to be interesting to watch. And then he brought out the uh, uh, motion to uh, strip uh, Menendez from the intelligence community and censure him, I think, which that's a bold move. Um, but I think it's the right move. And it's going to be interesting. I wonder if uh, the people that had the dirt on Menendez all this time, you know, because they said the FBI has known about this for several years. If those were the people that maybe encouraged him to make that motion to do those things to him. Well, ever since he's been talked about his personal appearance, he seems to have, um, I won't say turned over a new leaf, but at least uh, going through some different behaviors. Um, he seems to. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, and I hope he does. You know, he's there for the next five and a half years. So let's hope he does well. I don't know if you were listening or online, but when I was talking about uh, my observation, and so far as I know, it was only mine. I haven't heard anybody else talk about it. How um, at the peaceful, I was amazed. It was so big and so peaceful. But I didn't see, quote unquote, many people of color in the crowd. And I went back and referred to Jason Riley's commentary. And he said that Black Lives Matter is on the side of the Palestinians because right. they, see, they see Israel as a as one of these um, settler colonial settler colonies. <clears throat> I hope that well, hope they're being that, used as a tool. Um, you know, they're going to gravitate to those people that give them the uh, the audience, and <clears throat> you know, they they become uh, sellable. They're they're kind of like prostitutes, and that that. Um, that um, form, I guess. And if you look at the founder of that organization, he's putting his uh, support behind Trump. And so that shows you how much they've um, gravitated from what they supposedly originally were founded for. And like you said, you know, you don't see that mix in the in the uh, uh, the group that was there. And so, you know, makes you wonder what is their true um, purpose. What are they trying to accomplish? And I think what you're seeing is, you know, they're just being used as a tool that's going to um, be used to divide, you know, different groups and, you know, uh, pit one group against another one. I'm with Ted Yoho on the phone, in case you're just tuning in. He is en route to another meeting in D.C. in an Uber car. He just landed. Looks like to me the plane was a little bit early. Uh, that you it was? Yeah. And um, uh, you're now on the way to a meeting, and he's 
once again, tuning in with us. So if you have a question or anything, um, I'll look at it in the chat line. Let me see what we got here. Um, um, anyway, um, what is the feeling you get? I got a question here for um, Biden. Well, is he going to ride this? Is he going to ride the storm and, and and run for the presidency? You're hearing that. I'm sorry for who? For Biden, is he going to? Is he going to go through with the commitment to run for the presidency? I'm getting that question here. Uh, Everything I've heard is that, but you know, I'm sure they're going to hold that very tight until the final announcement, and they'll throw somebody in there. Um, and I'm sure what they're going to do is try to find somebody that's um, like Michelle Obama or somebody that just has that star appeal that there won't be time to organize against that. And, um, you know, that that makes the Republican candidates um, that much more vulnerable because none of them can mount an attack against somebody with that kind of star appeal. And I don't I'm not saying it's her other than Trump, you know, because Trump has got the base, you know, still. And, uh, you know, it's going to be tough for anybody to beat that uh, on the Republican Party. Nobody can beat that as of now. It uh, just depends on how all those legal issues turn out. Jackie Kinsler asked me the question again. Jackie is posted here. To, I ask you her, her questions. Her question, I can't remember her question. So uh, Jackie has slept since you asked me. So put it back in the chat line. We'll see it. We'll get it to Ted. Um, there's a really good article. I didn't have time to send it to you um, about George Soros funding all these so-called democracy PACs to sabotage democracy. Um, he's the single biggest financier of overtly political causes. Uh, get this now, Ted. In 2022, he put in $178.8 million in the federal campaigns. I, I, don't, I don't guess, I guess there's nothing we can do about that. Private money. What? Huh? It's private money, and he can, you know, free speech. It's First Amendment that he can do that. Um, it is amazing, um, you know, and we're seeing that money going to some of the Republican coffers, too. Um, you know, it'll come through there in some of those organizations, and um, there's just way, way too much money in politics. And it's used for the wrong purpose, you know, to put out false messages or to, to spew lies about people and and things like that. And um, I hope the American people can look beyond that. And that was always one of my things when I ran, you know, that I had people want me to raise money as soon as the election was over. And I'm like, no. And, you know, I'm working um, with somebody they've called me to work, you know, kind of coach him through a, a congressional race. And he's running against an established Republican. And they want to focus on money, money, money. And I said, it's not about the money. It's about going out and meeting people and, you know, going to the 4-H, going to the things in your area, the Rotary Club, Kiwanis, and all those organizations and let people know. And it was funny because he went to an, a, a, a meeting and his opponent, who has been in Congress for over 20 years, one of his staff members were there and they introduced himself and said, you know, so-and-so is a nice guy and I work for him. But I, I really think it's time for him to leave. And I think there's a sentiment around the country of that with elected officials. 
um, especially the ones that have been there a long time. And you never hear from them. I mean, you'll hear from them, and they'll do work in the district, which is great. They're supposed to, but they also have a bigger calling, and, you know, it's it's our debt, and this is something I harp on all the time. I came to Congress, you know, again, we were $13.5 trillion. I tried to make that a rallying cry, and, um, you know, because that's going to be the destruction of our country, you know, the, our debt. And, uh, you know, you couldn't get people to listen to that. So, we did constituent service, but we also tried to change the course of the, of, you know, those things that are really, you know, paramount on the survival of this nation. And that's, you know, debt and those other things we talk about. Got a comment here from a listener um, about the Talib censure. Um, doesn't seem to make any difference in her behavior. Uh, has she faced any real consequences? Well, again, you know, when you censure somebody, you know, you've slapped their wrist. And I, I forget, she's the first one, and I forget how long, but it's been a long time. Um, when I had my issue with AOC, I was going to get censured. And then after censuring, uh, they would move to strip me from the committee. And then that would have passed because there were Republican members, as McCarthy told me, he says, these people, these people are going to vote against you, even your friends because of commit, um, uh, the, the the election's coming up, and if they seem sympathetic towards you, they're worried about their own skin. And then the third thing they would do is strike from the record anything I've ever introduced as a bill, anything I've ever done, um, you know, like somebody's 50th anniversary or 100th birthday, all that would have been taken out. And so they started the first process with Tlaib, and it's just, if she keeps spouting off like that, I think you're going to see them come down on her harder, as they should, you know. And I think the decorum up there just needs to change. Of course, I'm saying that, being accused of what happened with AOC, and of course, that was not reported accurately. And um, Well, I went back and so, researched it. I went back and researched it and looked at it. seemed pretty darn benign to me. I mean, come on. Um yeah, I mean, those words were never spoken to her. And um, Miranda Devine, um, who is a, a journalist, and she did some investigation. She interviewed her right after that, that same day. And uh, my, my colleague from uh, New York said she never heard me say that. And there's good reason for that, because I didn't. But yet, she went on the House floor and raised a ton of money and, you know, dancing to that song, uh, what is it, Boss Bitches Get Things Done. and. Um, you know, and, and life goes on. But yet the, the narrative out there, or, you know, if you look on history of me, you know, I'm just some male chauvinist, misogynistic pig, which is, you know, I could throw that on her and just call her misandric, which is the opposite, you know, hate, hatred for men from a woman's standpoint. And, you know, I, I didn't see any need to do that because it was a moot point at that, you know, I had my conversation with her, and the funny thing is the media never asked me, why did you ever approach her? You know, it's pretty basic. You know, she was telling people it's okay to shoplift um, to feed their family during COVID. When you got, you know, food stamps, all the social programs, you know, government help in every agency you can get. But instead of doing that and working with your constituents, she wanted to tell people it's okay to shoplift, which is totally not okay with the shop owner or the people I got to, you know, bring that stuff in and then calling for defunding of the police. He dropped me off at the corner here. 
Oh, he's dropping you no, off. That's now. fine. Yeah. yeah. Um, they're dropping me off at the corner. <laughs> oh my golly! Are you going to be able Thanks, to hang sir. in, or you got to sign off? Yeah, I'm fine. I'm out here right now. I'll be darned. It's a nice weather up here. So carry on, boss. Oh my golly! And that's something, Ted Yolo. We've got a request here. Uh, the, my uh, good friend went back and looked it up. Now it's talking, uh, you know, she says, when you're in the White House, you're going to invite all the Ward Scott Files uh, fans to, to the White House. <laughs> you're absolutely right. We'll see if we can get some Billy beer from Billy Carter or Jimmy Carter's brother. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we can come up with a better flavor. Oh, my God, Billy Carter. What a trip. You know, uh, at the college. I tell you what, it makes you wonder about American politics and the state of affairs of America. And uh, I just got back from South Korea, and they're going through their challenges. And the interesting thing is uh, they're talking about Trump versus Biden, and they feel more comfortable with Biden. And I, I delved into that more. And the thing is, is Trump challenged them, you know, on the course or on the uh, U.S. Korean free trade trade free trade deal, which is called Chorus, and then Trump challenged them on the um, amount of money cost-sharing on military bases, and it really riled them and uh, raised their feathers, ruffled their feathers, but then Biden comes along, and he is such a putz and a passive person that they're like, well, I feel better with him because he doesn't challenge us, and, um, you know, that's a dangerous thing because the rest of the world takes Biden the same way. He's not a threat. Well, <laughs> he's still giving dollars to Iran, right? Yeah, he sure did. Yeah. He sure allowed that to happen. Um, you know, and it wasn't the $6 billion uh, releasing those funds. It's taking the sanctions off the oil that right. has really, really, Right. Uh, opened up their coffers to, I forget how many billions of dollars. Uh, I read an article the other day, I think it was like $50 billion. And there, again, you've heard me talk about the Hillsdale Imprimis newsletter. Right. There was a CIA guy that just, oh, you sent that to me, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And he was talking about the, um, he was talking about that in there. And so, those are the things that are dangerous to America. They're dangerous to our allies and they're dangerous to Israel and they're destabilizing the world. And, you know, you got to think it's kind of intentional to draw down our military assets because um, we're spending money there. We're spending money in Ukraine, money we don't have, money that we have to borrow. And you, you, I think you and I have talked and I think people are smart enough. You know, if you've got to borrow money to live on, that's not a good way to use borrowed money. But if you're borrowing money to build your business and grow an economy, that's pretty smart investment. And so we're not really doing that. And uh, we're just digging the hole deeper. And there will be a day of, uh, of um, you're going to have to answer for this. Well, you just have to wonder, unfortunately, slap <laughs> me for saying it, but it almost looks deliberate. When you shut down the oil production. Well, it is of the United States, and you increase it for the United States arch enemy, uh, hello, something ain't right. Let me, let me take you back to 2013, 2014, when Obama was in office. And he had, well, it was a, it was an, it was a deal with Iran. Um, it was, I think they did the, um, the terrorists, you know, uh, 
negotiating with Hamas or, or no, Al-Qaeda, one of the terrorist organizations, ISIS or one of those. And General Flynn was in there. And um, I brought up what Obama did. I said, I look at this and it's got to be one of three things. One is incompetence, one is ignorance, and one is by design. He didn't miss a lick. He said, it's by design. And I says, by doing that, by design, that weakens America. Why would he do that? And he just went off. And so that was in 2014. And here we are, 2023. And it has only escalated. And we are weakening America. Um, and again, it goes back to the Obamanization of America. Um, they, they despise this country. And the thing that's frustrating, and I know for you and your listeners and, and me, is these people that in Congress, they ought to be a way that they can change the curve. And it's difficult. I mean, I was here for eight years and it's a real pain in the rear end, but it's like John Kennedy. And I know they're going to have some people say he talked about Kennedy and he was a Democrat. He was a leader. And what he said was, um, you know, we do these things not because they're easy. We do them because they're hard and they're the right things to do. And it's going to be um, hard Harder thing, it's going to be harder to deal with our situation every day we let it go unattended. And I just wish people in Congress would stand up and do these things and not worry about their next dang election and, you know, damn the torpedoes, do what's right for the nation. Yeah, that's well said. We're coming up to the bottom of our break. You want to be able to hang with us here on the street corner? Sure. Good. I might even put a tie on. You can't see me. <laughs> okay. Tom, I've got a meeting at 10.15. Yeah. Got, so I'm in good shape. I'm at my meeting. Good. Tom with Ted Yoho by phone here is on a street corner in D.C. And uh, we're going to do awards weather in a minute and thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. The Kiara Grace Foundation proudly presents An Evening with Tim Tebow, Thursday, November 30th at the Touchdown Terrace at Ben Hill Griffin Stadium. Experience a once-in-a-lifetime VIP meet-and-greet with Tim. Hear his heartfelt stories and his unyielding dedication to the most vulnerable. With your support, we can extend the reach of the Kiara Grace Foundation to save precious lives in Latin America. Get your ticket before they sell out. Don't miss your chance to meet Tim Tebow, be inspired, and make a tangible difference. Thursday, November the 16th, come celebrate the release of our Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, Lugo's Risky Run. This exclusive... Thursday, November the 16th, come celebrate the release of our Spurrier's Gridiron Grill, Lugo's Risky Run. This exclusive release features a special spread of our farm-to-table food, rum cocktails, raffles, and a meet-and-greet with me. Each ticket includes a bottle of Spurrier's Single Barrel Select Risky Run. And I'll sign the bottle if you'd like. 
So get your ticket before they sell out at Spurriers.com. All right, welcome back to Ward's Weather by Lewis Oil here, Chevron Stations, Fossil Fuel. And we've got a delightful 66 degrees right now, going up only to 72. And we're getting some drizzling rain here in the piney woods of north central Florida and God's country. We'll take it because I ran across this in my research about weather, that the Midwest towns are drier than, quote unquote, the Dust Bowl, according to Wall Street Journal. The southeast Kansas city of Caney is going to run out of water by March 1st without rain. That's just around the corner next year. Um, Four wells in Belpine, Iowa, are producing 40% as much water as usual. Uh, near Des Moines, you can be fined $65 or more if you defy water restrictions. So um, porta-potties have actually replaced some public bathrooms. So they're just hoping it rains. Water scarcity, evidently, has been an issue that has long troubled the arid West, and it's become an urgent problem now in middle America. So water, water, water. There you are. We are getting a little bit of it right here, right now. We, as everybody else, can always stand more up to a point. Well, Tom with Ted Yoho here, who's on a street corner in D.C., uh, looking at your chat line here to see if you have any questions. And uh, I believe the answer to a uh, question um, about the fellow Spartacus, I don't know who that was. Anyway, that's from Jersey. Uh, maybe that rings a bell with somebody. Um, we are taking your questions in the chat line. If you have anything for Ted Yoho, who's going off to a meeting at 1015. So he'll be with us by phone uh, for the rest of the half hour. So, Ted, um, we were talking um, about um, our usual list of things that need to be corrected in America that you jotted down that has not changed. And I don't think has been addressed from the uh, border to has anything on that list? Can you check off anything on it? No. Um, you know, they'll have hearings and resolution letters and things like that that don't do anything. It just, it's busy work to show you how busy they are. And um, now they, I mean, I, there, there's people up here trying to do the right thing, but doing and uh, or talking and doing are two different things. Well, Ken Johnson, I don't know. He, you need to have different chairs, or what? What, is, what can he do besides be tactful and? Well, yeah, yeah, I mean that's 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 a possibility. Is doing different chairs bring somebody bring some fresh blood in there? Well, um, I'm going to switch over to the um, video if this okay, will good. work. We'll see it if it'll work. Well, we'll make it work. But um, yeah, he he could do that. But exactly. he can't do it by himself. He's still on the he phone. He has Zach. got well, to hang up. Well, you have to hang up the phone, Zach. Here it goes. We'll see how he does it here. There he is. Modern technology. Well, I haven't seen your picture yet, but you got uh, you've got up. You got the zoom up. 
Right now, it's just saying your name. I don't see you. There you are. My golly. That man is sophisticated. Got a tie on and everything. Look at that. We'll put these little. So I can fit in. You got it. (laughs) Now, that's impressive. That's the first time. Oh, man, I can hear you in my left ear. I'm impressed now. Well, go ahead. What's going on? What else? Well, I'm just looking at the background there. What's your in front of? I got you in stereo. Oh, my God. That that there is the Capitol Hill Club over here. And this is the NRCC here. Here. This is where people go dial dial for dollars. And in front of the Capitol Hill Club, there's uh, that fine... uh, uh, find concoction that warms men's souls and women's souls so that they can have honest, peaceful discord. Uh, uh-huh. It's a, it's a, 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 lick, a whiskey truck. <laughs> a whiskey truck, yeah. Oh, I see it, yeah. I see it. Okay, well, that's... <clears throat> Anyways. So, where were we? Well, we were talking about how nothing gets done on the list we created, which seems a darn good list. Um, we also covered the craziness of shutting down all production for us, but increasing it for Iran. Uh, I don't get that um, at all. And, and you, you'd have to wonder if it's done by well, See, this is where there needs to be an American agenda. It, it has to be. There has to be an American agenda. And in that, um, it should be an agenda like energy independence. That shouldn't be a, that shouldn't be anything that is controversial or border security. It shouldn't be controversial. But you get these outside groups, the BLMs, like you were talking about earlier, is a great example. These groups are pretty much prostitutes. They they prostitute themselves out to whoever give them the money, and they'll out get out there and rally. It's like Antifa. If Trump gets in as the nominee, you're going to see Antifa on steroids. They are the SS or the brown shirts of the of the Nazi party, and. Uh, you know, and so you get these organizations that come out to disrupt what really needs to be done. Border security should not be a controversial issue. Energy independence shouldn't be either. And if you're a climate change a hard believer and that it's all fossil fuels, God bless you. But let's take the the resources we have as a nation, which should be, you know, it's should be the goal of the federal government because the federal government's number one task is for national security. And I think energy security is national security. I think border security is national security. And so that should be the agenda for America. And if you want to let more of a certain population in, put in a legislation, let's bring it up, let's vote on it. If it passes, then let's do it. If it doesn't pass, doesn't mean I'm a racist. It just means that what didn't have the, the support of the majority and um, that article we talked about last week where that lady was bashing um, Mike Johnson and said that um, he believes in my, uh, majority rule at the expense of the minority. I mean, that 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 historian, she, that person claimed right, to be a historian, right. she was way off base. I mean, uh, apparently she missed that, uh, that whole lesson on the Constitution and how it got formed. It looks like to me one of the things you can use as a litmus to divide is the left doesn't care about the Constitution. It sees it, quote, unquote, I guess, 
if they have to talk about it, they talk about it as a breathing, living document. And what they mean you can see this truck. I'm going to interrupt you a minute. Can you see that truck going there? It's all Christmas trees. So Christmas is still alive up here in Washington, but they they probably don't want to make it a religious holiday. Um, The Constitution, you're talking about the left. Um, I always got to kick out of Nancy Pelosi talking about our Constitution and we have to follow it. And, And see, there again, this is the narrative of the left. They'll tell you, we believe in these principles. We believe in border security. At the meantime, they're like, come on in, folks. Come on. More the merrier. And the Constitution, they'll talk about it, but they're the ones that are eroding it more and more. And, of course, the Republicans, they're not far off from that because there's so many things that we did in Congress that are unconstitutional. And I had a, a, a discussion with um, Ward Bailey and, uh, and uh, Keith, and we were talking about – some of the votes I took, they said they're unconstitutional. I'm like, again, it's like Mike Johnson, where he is now. He's got a mess on his hands. And so what do you want to do? Just shut everything down? And if you had the support, shut everything down. But as soon as it shuts down, you got the veterans calling you. You got the old people calling. You got military people calling you. You've got all these people calling you. How dare you shut the government down? But then if you open it up, they start, pardon my language, bitch moaning and complaining about, how come you don't do anything? And so the American public has to take responsibility for this too. And my personality is I, I'm, I'm more action instead of just talking about it. And if you don't want action, if you don't want it resolved, don't complain about it. Because once you bring it to my attention, I'm going to act on it. And that's why, you know, um, I got along with leadership so well. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, is there any is there anything to this is uh not in the chat line, but I ran across it. Um, our guy from uh, the computer world buying up all the farmland. Are you familiar Gates. with Gates? Gates, yeah, yeah. I mean, and he's bought up a lot of farmland. Um, it's a great investment for one thing. Uh, is he going to take it out of production? I don't know. Um, you know, his whole thing, one of his big things is feed the future. And, uh, you know, he can't do it by himself to get rid of cows and, and grow a plant-based beef substitute. I mean, there's no need for that. Um, you know, it, I, I, I don't see it as a threat. I think China buying uh, land in America, I think that's a threat. I think some of these foreign adversaries buying land in America, I see that as a threat. Um, Bill Gates, he's bought some of the biggest farms up in North Florida and Southern Georgia, and they're still farming. So, in Good. fact, I was up to when I was in Congress, I went up there and talked to the farm manager, and he says, We're doing the same thing we've always done. You know, we use fertilizer as needed, we use herbicides and pesticides as needed. So, you know, you hear all this garbage out there, and, and you know, that's where your programs are good because. You're out there educating the consumer because there is a lot of just noise out there, a lot of misinformation, a lot of conspiracy stuff. And I'm sure some of that is probably true. But in my experience with uh, the Gates in the uh, the agricultural community, uh, I don't see a problem with that. In fact, I was in an ag meeting. Melinda Gates was there and she was praising the release of the new golden GMO rice because it was fortified with vitamin A and their other big emphasis is on global health. 
And vitamin A is very crucial in the development of the fetus. And it was important to get this into the, um, um, to the pregnant mothers prenatally. And, and I says, this is a GMO and you're promoting it. She goes, oh, absolutely. This is a great product. So, you know, there again, I mean, this was coming right from her. Um, I know there's some nefarious things that they've been accused of, and I can't say, I can't talk to you about either any of those because I haven't done the research on those. Yeah. Well, how unusual. Politician can't talk about uh, without doing research. Man, that sets you apart right away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, oh, Joe would have had a comment probably. Uh, I don't want to be unfair. To it, it's funny how they spin stuff. Oh, I know. I know. I, I know you've heard that one where that uh, the, the politician uh, he was talking at a church meeting and the the lady a uh, uh, lady in the crowd goes, "Sir, I heard you uh, you you imbibe in uh, alcohol, the devil's brew," and he goes, "Ma'am, are you talking about that 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 liquor that um, makes men angry and vile and they can get into fights and all that?" I am a hundred percent against that, but if you're talking about that. That blend that the Lord made us that warms our hearts and softens our tongues so we can have those open discussions. I'm all for that kind. <laughs> <laughs> That's the politician. You know, they can they can spin it any way they want. <laughs> oh, you got the trash receptacle behind you there. Yep, they're taking out some trash. <laughs> well, well, we got about 15 minutes left, Ted, and I appreciate you um, showing up here. And um, Barbara asked, my wife asked this morning, Yep, Ted, you on with me? I said, I'm sure I do. He's in a plane, but I'm sure he'll be somewhere. Out. Well, I just appreciate you being flexible on your team, allowing me to pop in and out and disrupt your no it's program. Not um, but we're up here, and I can report back after this uh, next week. But there, there's just so much going on right now, and you know, you look at the, our our debt, the increasing debt. I think we're at 1.2 trillion dollars in debt service. And what that means is $1.2 trillion in interest payments on our debt. And we forewarned about this back when, you know, I was voting to not raise the debt ceiling. And everybody said I was crazy when we were at $13.5 trillion. And we were talking about the day will come when we're paying more on our interest than we are on our military. That day is here. This is only going to get worse because what's happening the debt we're paying now is monies that were borrowed 10, uh, 10, 15 years ago at that low interest rate. As this new money comes out and has to be refinanced, it's going to be at the higher interest rate. So it's going to make the debt service that much higher. And, um, you know, I just hope these people up here that are in charge will start triaging and say, all right, yeah, these things are all important. You know, wokeism and all these things, they, they've got their place. But we need to get rid. Of, we need to deal with these these serious issues that are going to, you know, bring this uh, country down on its knees. And that's really what they need to ho- uh, focus on. And I hope Mike Johnson, by getting a little time to get through this next CR that's due, I think on the seventeenth, that they can. And and the the stuff I read, they're going to push it till next year, which I think is wise because Boehner always would do it right before Thanksgiving. And it, they would come out and say, well, we're going to pass this so we're not here for the holidays. But it then would go to, right to Christmas. <laughs> so I'm like, what are you guys thinking of? What a bunch of dunderheads. And thank God he's not here anymore. So Mike Johnson's got this extended, um, the last I read, I don't know if it's changed until I think February. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Kick it over in the spring. So, yeah. So what they can do now is organizational meetings and says, all right, 
how are we going to deal with the debt? How are we going to deal with this? And they really ought to be focusing on what are they going to do to beef up the, the surveillance of election integrity? And this is something that you can negotiate, find out what the Democrats want. So you've got a want for them to say, all right, we can go along with that, but I want monies in here for election integrity. And, and so there's that, that kind of give and take. And so now you get that, you work on getting a majority, hopefully a majority in the House and Senate. And um, then you can really go in there and you can bring up legislation that can start writing this country. And, uh, of course, Biden is still going to be in there for another until um, the next election, uh, next year, 2024. And you've got to have enough people that can override a veto and make it veto proof. And that's really what the Republicans should be focusing on. This other stuff is just noise, it's chatter. Um, and then work on our national security. You know, what's going on with our allies in, in Israel? Uh, what are we going to do with Ukraine? And have these strategies and don't forget China. What are we doing that? In fact, I'm meeting with several people today on uh, the China issues. I was just going to bring that up because the thing I'm reading in our popular press, if you will call it that, is that China's economy is hurting. It is. Can you? But they know, they know ours is hurting, too. China, you know, their um, youth unemployment is up in the 20 percent and their economy is just tanking. Because people are divesting. And, you know, when I was in Congress, we wrote a lot of policy papers. Um, we urged companies to get out of China. We called it manufacturing, the ABC method, anywhere but China. And I'm meeting with a guy today that uh, put in legislation. It's called nearshore manufacturing. And it's to incentivize these countries to get companies to get out of China and to go to an ally or, you know, somebody like Vietnam. It's a communist country, but they are strong partners with us in pushing back against China. And, um, you know, the idea is to remove the economic machine that China depends on and get it out of there. And so that's playing on their economy. They've lent out a, a bunch of money in their Belt Road Initiative, which is a, their foreign aid. Um, but they don't give foreign aid. They give foreign development. And they'll go into these countries like in Africa and South America and do these uh, critical mineral mines. And they benefit China. In fact, in Panama, which is now a, a upper income country, China controls both sides of the Panama Canal. But the Panamanians want to kick them out because of what China has done. They brought so many Han Chinese in, which is the ethnic uh, majority in China. They've created a Chinese economy within Panama, displacing the local workers. So China brings in their own workers. They create Chinese or build Chinese hotels, Chinese casinos, Chinese uh, laundry mats and Chinese restaurants. So they build a Chinese uh, economy that doesn't benefit the locals and they want to get them out of there. So this would be a good thing on a foreign policy. If they throw them out, we could hopefully um, get somebody else to take control of the Panama Canal. And if we could take it over, it'd be great and never give it to somebody like Jimmy Carter that got rid of it, which was a terrible, terrible uh, mistake unless you want to weaken America. And yeah. It was, it slid right into what they wanted to do. Well, Friday I'm scheduled to have my guest on who spent four years in China as an exchange teacher. And, uh, Oh yeah. We talked about that. Yeah. I, they, I thought they were going to be on last week. No, no, coming up to, uh, day after tomorrow. Okay, great. It's gonna yeah. Be I want to hear that. Yeah. 
it's going to be a great show. And of course, we'll record it and uh, we'll have it so we can distribute it if you can't see it live. But uh, I've been talking with her, talked with her early this morning about, um, you know, a little bit of a dry run this afternoon, make sure she's comfortable with Zoom and everything. And, and, uh, She's a dynamic person. She's very smart and um, and uh, full of energy and everything. And well, and she's got firsthand information of being there, and and she can years. talk to you about the do's and don'ts that you can't say, can't do, and right. you don't want to get caught saying something bad about the CCP or the uh, Xi Jinping. Um, yeah, because you're going to be monitored and followed by the um, the military and the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They, um, I think she's mindful of that, and so um, we'll we'll discuss all those things. But if you've got an opportunity, ask her how many members, active members of the Chinese Communist Party, and I think it's around ninety million was last I'd heard on the briefing. But ask her how many are hardcore um, zealots of the Chinese Communist Party, or are they just card carrying members because it makes life easier? I'd like to hear what she says on that being there. I would suspect it's the latter, but because uh, uh, the government already, as we've talked privately about it, is so oppressive and vindictive and punitive. Uh, you can't do anything that apparently what I've understood so far is critical of them. It makes this January 6th thing uh, look like a kindergarten play. Yeah, and they don't they don't really care who who thinks what, and they're kind of quiet about it. Whereas Putin will throw you out of a window. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Putin will throw you out wrong that guy. He couldn't fly. He didn't know he couldn't fly. Yeah, and <laughs> they you threw know, somebody out of a window here in Washington. And, and this, a billionaire. Uh, <laughs> uh, this um, and uh, we said it was a suicide. <laughs> or is that accident. right? Oh my god! Yes. It's just. <laughs> it's a spoof i mean it really is it's and and here we are this nation and you know what was neat when i was in south korea they thank us for helping them for the korean war you know we sent 1.8 million people over there 30 i think it was 33 or 38,000 of our service members died and then close to 90,000 were injured and then there was the mias and uh they are so appreciative of what America did and the values. And I mean, they're just a strong ally and they're tough negotiators. Trump said they're the toughest negotiators he ever dealt with other than Congress. And, uh, you know, we just need to build more relationships like that. And, um, you know, that's where foreign policy is so critical to the security of the, of our nation. Well, that's very interesting. Um, the, um, North Korea, has made all those overtures to Russia, as you know, China. Um, it just—it's it, just um, one of those. I was a little kid when that all happened. I followed it intently, and I can give you the down and distance practically of every conversation. Um, back then, I was into cartooning, and I could draw you an F eighty six saber jet. So you thought it was a real deal. I mean, uh, they were right. Oh, they were in the paper so much. There was a lot of dogfights. That That's the first time they used jets, too, wasn't it? Yeah, MiG, MiG-15s and the uh, F-86 Sabres, uh, they had dogfights. I mean, they yeah. went after each other. And the Sabres proved a superior plane. But um, 
that and of course um, um, Truman fired MacArthur. Um, you know that was that was an argument that resonated all through the country. So um, uh, people's feelings get hurt, and they do those things. And um, um, they're two strong personalities there. <laughs> yeah, and you know something I was thinking about Ted uh, on uh, Veterans Day. My, share with me. Share with me. <laughs> share with you. Yeah. Um, my mother kept a scrapbook of uh-huh. the Pacific Theater, particularly because my father was there, but of World War II. Mm-hmm. I posted on Facebook the now yellowed newspaper clippings that headline says, yeah. Atomic Bomb Dropped. Is that right? Wow. Huge, huge letters. I probably should have posted it. Maybe I'll post it tomorrow. And then, second atomic bomb dropped. And I was thinking about this from the moment of Pearl Harbor to the dropping of the atomic bomb. No one said, hey, time out. We need an armistice. Man, what has changed? People were too far removed from the crisis. You know, back then it was whatever you have to do to do it. You know, I appreciate you bringing up um, uh, Veterans Day because I opened up my talk. uh, I talked on Veterans Day over there and I told them over here it's the um, the 11th day, the 11th hour, the 11th day and the 11th month is Veterans Day. And I thank them for the veterans that were there, you know, um, uh, for their service, too, you know, and uh I, they are real appreciative. My earbud fell out, so I'm going to bend down and get it real quick. Yeah, get it real quick. My wife already complains I, I can't hear. <laughs> there I am. I'm back in stereo. Anyway, that, that, that occurred to me that yeah. nowhere were there ever any conversations about, well, let's stop, and maybe the Japanese have changed their minds. Um no. And look they, now, our strong yeah. ally. Right. Know, we need to go back to that basic world that you come out of and I dabble in. And that is the world, the natural world. There is going to be an alpha dog. Uh, there's going to be something that runs that herd. And uh, I guess, correct me if I'm wrong, it's it's all part of the natural a way of um existence that i've seen but it's kind of old testament eye for an eye and you know we we hope we've progressed as humanity beyond that but we haven't and so you've got the biden administration wanting to support israel but they're getting so much blowback they're going to bb netanyahu and saying oh don't let's let's have a ceasefire let's let's hold off but then just go back to 9-11 when that happened three thousand americans plus died a tremendous amount are still suffering from that. And um, we go into Afghanistan, a country that didn't attack us, and we annihilate it. And we go into Iraq and give them freedom for people that didn't really want it or know what freedom is. They they deserve it, I'm sure, but you got to fight for it. And 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 now we, we killed thousands of people um, because of 9-11. But yet Bibi Netanyahu had an existential attack on his country. And people are saying, calm down. Let's not get too serious about this. And it's like, the hell with you. I'm doing this, and I want to take out everybody that's associated with Hamas. 
get rid of them. Arrange the meeting with God so that he can judge them. Uh, I don't want to judge them. I just want to help arrange the meeting. I got you, brother. Well, we're at 10 o'clock. Hope you have a great day. All righty. And thanks for stopping by and tell everybody hello. (laughs) (laughs) I will. Take care. God bless and uh, have a great day. Hopefully you got some rain for your cattle. Okay. Warthog Command Center out.